Welcome, Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insight. Thanks, sponsors, Tops, Panini, Upper Deck, Heritage Auctions, Huggins Scott Auctions, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Burbank Sports Cards, ComC.com, and Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication. Today's episode is probably featuring one of the sponsors more than the others, although we talk about several. But I'm here with Joe Orlando, now with Heritage, formerly primarily associated with PSA, is this when they were purchased by Nat Turner and Nat coming in. And so Joe is very happy at Heritage. And when I started doing these podcasts, I thought it was going to be people coming over and seeing people at shows and in-person interviews. This one actually is that, but COVID took that away. Thanks, Joe, for stopping by. He was in town for some other Heritage business because they're just across town a little bit. And we had a good chat and I hope you'll enjoy it. It was dueling questions. So uh, here it is. Welcome, everybody. Here with Joe Orlando. Joe, welcome to the show, Dueling Questions today. When you think back to the 1980s when the the industry really started to boom and your publication became such a a key part of the hobby at that point and into the 90s, looking back now, was there a direction you wanted to go in that you didn't for whatever reason? I wish I would have tried this or offered this service. I don't have nightmares. I'm pleased with the way things turned out. We were doing auctions before eBay, and I was not willing to bet the farm. I'm, I'm not risk averse, but I'm just very calculating. And I thought that, that was a recipe for losing a lot of money for a while, but then maybe getting extremely rich at the end. I'm a get-rich-slow guy, so that didn't fit me. The same thing happened with doubling down on digital. Okay, We went way faster than Krause did in terms of going into the digital world and providing online information and all that, but I still didn't go all the way into it because we had too much in our print publications. And last one, just for your benefit, Joe, I was the holdup for getting into grading. If we'd have gotten into grading a lot earlier, From the very beginning, I had guys on my team saying, we got to do this. PSA was not an instant success, but the concept was really good and it had improved it in coins. Yeah. So those are three things that if I can have regrets, but I I made a lot of good calls. So no regrets (laughs) that those are three things. Okay. Ryan Staczynski has been doing some interesting stuff, the data analytic guy and ability to put together a universal pop report. Do you see that as a positive? We'd be able to see the total population. Do you see it as a negative for PSA? Do you see it as a positive for heritage where you work now that collectors can know really what the true population is? Or how do you see that? Is it net good or, or would you go even farther? Yeah, that's a great question. I would say that in terms of scarcities, I like a universal pop report for the existing number. When we're talking about rarities, whether they're vintage, whether they're the current number cards, but for population by grade, it's not that I think it's a negative. I just think it's irrelevant because all the different authentications that take place in the hobby, they're opinion-based. It's not about right or wrong. When you have one company grading on one standard, another company grading on another, combining the pop reports by grade is just, it's not that it's negative. It's just, I don't find it to be relevant because they're graded by different companies with different standards. It doesn't make any of them right or any of them wrong. I just don't see the value in combining the grades on this. But again, on the existing number, when as it relates to rarities, I think it could be very valuable. Okay. As we s- stand here today, what, if anything, do you dislike the most about the current state of the hobby. Gosh, I'm going to sound like a tired old guy. I think <laughs> there's an attempt to reduce all the friction. 
so that everything can happen at the speed of light. That's really not the way collecting is supposed to be because that makes it more transactional rather than relational. Mm -hmm. So I miss that where it takes a little bit longer to, to pour over the possibility of a trade or selling something and describing it. Uh, they, they've taken some of the romance out of it and then they've substituted a lot of hype. That's uh, not all bad because it's right. added to the, the numbers of people that are at least come in and it's up to not just us guys, but the whole hobby to try to make sure when people come in, they have a good experience and they stay. So the hype, there's some level of hype. You, you can't make something that's terrible into something that's great. That's not the hype they're doing. They're taking something that's really good and acting like it's stupendous, like it's one of a kind because it's, 23 of 399, but it's Michael Jordan and he wore number 23. So then, oh, that makes it one of one. And so the overhyping, I don't like, mm -hmm. but I, I'm not going to get anywhere on that because <laughs> these are the headlines that marketing experts, clickbait. Right, clickbait. Okay? Yeah. And that, that's been okay. Okay, my turn. You were touching on this, the related question about a universal registry. How would that be good for PSA if there was a universal registry? How would it be good for heritage? How would it be good for the, the, the dealers, the hobbyists, the collectors, the set collectors? Because that may be coming. This is going back 10 plus years. I had heard uh, of many companies thinking about doing a universal registry. So I'd like to answer this in two parts. I would go back to what I said previously about combining pops as it relates to grades. I think most collectors, and I, I, I've been a collector my whole life, most collectors like uniformity. There will be some collectors that collect a 1952 top set or a 1986 Fleer basketball set, and 90% of the set is graded by one company and the remaining 10% by someone else. But the majority of people, I, I believe it's the way collectors are wired because we love uniformity. I don't think you'll get too much of that where you'll have a set with four different grading services comprising a set. As, as far as how it could benefit PSA, now that I've been gone for a few years, I guess the way it would benefit PSA is I think people would see the enormous market share PSA has. If you had a universal registry and you saw the number of PSA cards and sets compared to everybody else, I think that would further cement the point that they're the market leader in that area. And and so if there were a positive, I guess it would be just the comparative uh, between the, the different brands. We're answering this in a way, the, the follow-up was uh, with Ryan Staczynski and Gemrate, but PSA could allow a universal registry by saying, if somebody has slabbed from these other approved companies, you're not going to get full credit on the grade. There'll be a, a discount. You can get full credit if it's PSA. You have 407, you know, 52 tops cards. 10 of them are, are SGC, 10 of them are BGS, 10 of them are something else. If they're all nines, uh, maybe PSA would make some kind of accommodation to reholder. But you have a complete set and to cross them over is, is uh, a little tricky and expensive. So PSA could actually do it on their own if they wanted to. And say we're we're gonna we're gonna let you include those, and you'll put in the serial number, but maybe a an eight turns into a seven. I can tell you when I was there, this topic came up quite a bit over the, my twenty two years there. I I can only speak for myself and, and my time there. When that topic was put on the table, our answer was always no because we felt like at some point we had earned such a strong market share. That just from, a, again, a brand protection standpoint, why open the door? Even though I know some collectors would like it, and I'm a collector too, so I understand the, some collector sentiment and why they would want us to have a universal registry. But when I was there, it was, look, if we're trying to build our brand as the brand and we have a lead at this point, 
why open the door to, to anybody else? And you mentioned the gem rate, the population numbers um, that are out there. I see the numbers today too. In January, I think it was something like 1.22 million PSA. And then the drop-off is all the way down to a hundred and something right. thousand for the next. So six dominant. Yeah. yeah. I can see that. And it's kudos to you for what <laughs> you built there. But with Nat Turner, there's some powerhouse combinations of brands that have aligned in ownership of collectors. Then there are other competing fanatics as another 800-pound gorilla. So I'm just wondering, are things in the future going to be lined up with you're either in the American League or in the National League? You, so do you see that? If, if what you're talking about is just continued merging and consolidation, yeah, I think in, in, in any industry over the course of time, more and more of that. So we can sit here today and say, that's the way things used to be. I'm, I think that's what I'm saying. But I wouldn't rule anything out down the line, looking 5, 10, 15 years down the line. We've watched just within our own hobby, so many things change in the last 30 to 40 years and including just collector sentiment about different types of collectibles. So I would never rule out anything. All I can speak to is why we made the decision previously to not have a universal pop or universal registry. But see, now it could be not as good for PSA, but really good for Golden. Okay, your turn. In your opinion, are there any collectible categories, just whether it's cards, autographs, photos, tickets, whatever it may be, are there any that stand out as the most surprising in terms of where they were 20 years ago and where they are today? Any certain segment of the hobby that, as it relates to the stuff that we all buy, that has surprised you in the way that it has performed? I guess that could be positive or negative. Tickets. I think it's interesting that tickets are coming on strong. At the same time, tickets are going away. <laughs> Daddy, what is a ticket? What is a physical ticket? Yeah. And uh, my ticket on my phone is uh, Gem Mint Pristine. You know, and photo matching is another thing, which I think is uh, a little tricky. As, as we all know, there's one scam where it wasn't a photo match. It was an item match to a doctored photo. Exhibits, I've been surprised, although now I think they're coming on a lot more, but exhibits and larger cards in general have not really had their day in the sun. And even larger than cards are memorabilia, larger items. When people talk about game-used jerseys, nowadays players can wear their jerseys or their sweaters or whatever, and they can change every shift. Not every shift in hockey, but they can change it at each intermission. And uh, baseball, they can change every inning or stuff like that. Mickey Mantle had two uniforms. Yeah. <laughs> set one, set two. Right? <laughs> and yeah. so when those get chopped up, that's a piece of Americana that, that I'd like to see not done. And yet, until recently, the price of those things was pretty ridiculously low. And as compared to the price of the tiny swatch that was extremely high. So hopefully those things will reach uh, equilibrium. Round cards. <laughs> What's round cards? Did PSA have requests for uh, round card slabs? Oh, yeah. It's, it's problematic. Oh, oh yeah. No, at but first, these are all round. So I guess you, you had that in your... But first, I remember we had, yeah, the, the holders, they would move too much in the holder. For those who can remember, the 1970s, like crane discs or all right. sorts I've, of different I've got the, round things that would move around and then they fine-tune the holder a bit to hold it in place better. But yeah, certainly not perfect in, in every instance. Okay, my turn again. Uh, the last of these questions about the universal something universal auction listings going to heritage there's some people that think you know what i'm missing out on auctions i doubt they're missing out on heritage but there's many auction companies now have lots of auctions they're not necessarily pop up they're scheduled and there are some nuggets in some of these other let's say not the top tier auction companies the auction companies that you normally order from you keep getting that but then there's some others so how would that work and would that be something Heritage, which also has a very dominant, I think there's nobody bigger than Heritage. 
but there's other big players. So how would that work? Because that also could come because that's an app waiting to happen. A lot of people may not know this. So going back, gosh, this is several years ago when I was at PSA and Collectors Universe, Collectors Universe introduced an, an auction aggregation site called collectors.com that, that did exactly what you're talking about, which is try to pull together all the auctions they could. So there was one place, one central location to do it. It was an interesting, I'm putting that in air quotes, an interesting experiment. Somebody said to me at the time that was behind the building of this aggregation platform that it's like fishing with dynamite. That's what he said, because you're bringing everything together. But I'm going to quote you what you said earlier in this podcast. You, as a collector, you like the effort that goes in the chase, right? The hunt. And so to make it easy. You were right. making it easy. So what we found is that a lot of people... Now, look, I, again, I'm a collector too, and there, there are just too many auctions to keep track of. I I find myself missing things once in a while. I go, oh my God, I didn't know I that know, this... But I don't you, think you're missing heritage. I think the, the oh, players right. don't miss heritage. That's why heritage is like PSA is in a very strong position. Right. So if from heritage's standpoint, yeah, we feel like, look, we put a lot of effort into our marketing and our reach and drawing eyeballs to our auctions. So do we want to put our auction efforts in the middle of all of these other auctions on another site? Probably not because we we try to s- separate ourselves from everyone else. But when we were going through this at, at Collector's Universe and, and, and we worked on this project where they aggregated uh, different auction listings, I thought it was interesting to, to hear from different collectors. And while some thought fishing with dynamite was great to make it easier, other ones thought, you know what? I like the hunt. I like the effort it takes to to build my collection. And as crazy as that sounds to some people, it's you're taking that away from me. So again, you, you said something earlier that just clicked with me because that is, I think, part of the collecting experience. We we enjoy that part of it. And if you make it too easy, then that might be the baby boomer or a certain age. The vintage collectors want mm-hmm. all that. True. Want that chase, but the new person wants to hear about it on social media. Want to go straight to the link or whatever. Yeah, quick getting satisfied. Media. Right, media gratification. The man in the 